Hype Beast Radio. I'm Jeff Staple, and this is the Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. What's up, everyone? Jeff Staple here for the Business of Hype. We are now wrapping up our eighth season of this show. Can you believe that? And whether you've been listening since day one or you just heard of us, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, for our season finale, we have the privilege of speaking with one of the most revered designers in fashion today, Olivier Roustan. The French designer rattled the fashion industry after becoming the creative director in 2011 of the luxury fashion house Balmain, and he was only 25 years old. And for nearly an impressive decade, he has held this title, which is unheard of in the fashion industry, and he completely revolutionized the brand, some would even say a renaissance maybe. Taking over a luxury haute couture brand that's been around for 75 years is not the easiest feat, but Olivier was able to offer a fresh take while still adhering to its iconic roots. Nowadays, there is no area in modern day fashion and pop culture that the brand hasn't touched. From partnering with brands like H&M, Puma, L'Oreal, and Beats, to working with a star-studded clientele wearing Balmain at the Met Gala, to having Kim and Kanye as the face of his 2014 campaign, to working with Beyonce for her On The Run tour, and her groundbreaking Beachella performance at Coachella. It comes as no surprise that the brand has built a cult-like following now, even coining the term Balmain Army. Olivier is constantly pushing the boundaries, even amidst changing times, from luxury brands coinciding with streetwear, to fashion's movement towards sustainability and most recently, facing a worldwide pandemic head-on. For the now seasoned designer, Olivier is, as he says, less scared of tomorrow, and now is actually the time for him to be even more creative than ever. So let's get into this week's season eight finale with none other than Olivier Roustan, creative director of Balmain. Um, so first, thank you for, for taking the time. I know we were trying to schedule this for, for a while, but you know, it, it's crazy how the universe works because you know, you're, you're sort of the perfect person to talk to from the fashion industry right now in this state that we're in, where we're hopefully coming out of a, of a global pandemic, but we're sort of still you know, fighting it. Um, now there's conversations, huge conversations of racial inequality happening. And, and you kind of just like, are at the intersection of all of those things because of just who you are and where you came from. Um, so I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. I just wanted to first get an idea of where, how are you? Where's your headspace at right now? Are, is everything okay with you? Are you in a good place mentally? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not the one, the, the right one to judge my mental health, but uh, if, I, if I can, <laughs> I would say that definitely I feel really good. Um, first, I wanted to say that it's good that the phone rings at that time because like that, you repeated that I'm Gen Z and millennial and I'm the right choice for this interview. So I'm happy to hear twice. But, Thanks. <laughs> but no, I think, um, as you say, it's, um, it has been really a tough moment for uh, not only obviously for, for me, Barman, but for the world. First, the pandemic, 
The second is obviously a Black Lives Matter. Um, but there is one thing that, is, that, 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 that two topics have in common is the, the sense of togetherness. I mm -hmm. think the COVID brought in me, and I'm sure in many people, the sense that when we're all forced apart, we all want to be even more together. And, um, yeah. and, you know, it's something that I didn't really realize, you know, because with the fashion system, everything goes so fast that you don't realize, actually, that you, you might not take time to see your family. You might not take time for your dr the drink with your friend. You might not take time mm -hmm. for just, you know, the peace. And, Slowing down, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I have to say that two months of lockdown in France, for sure, because I was in Paris and I'm, I, I have no partner, so I was literally in my house. I thought a lot about it and I was thinking I need to see my team as soon as the lockdown is over. I need to see my family. I need to, to, to breathe, you know, and in mm -hmm. many ways, of course. Um, and uh, was there any, was there any part during the lockdown where you started to lose your mind? <laughs> yeah. Cooking. Oh, that's how you got through it. You were just cooking like crazy. No, I lose my mind because I don't know how to cook. Oh no. <laughs> I know that's the problem, Jeff. But, uh, no, I mean, kid, like, Besides the joke, I think I lose my mind because you re you I love I'm I'm someone really lonely. I, I love loneliness, but when when it's the loneliness that you decide is completely different when it's a loneliness yeah. forced. Um, but I have to say that I took those two months uh, trying to to read to to see to to see series that I didn't have time to to actually mm -hmm. watch uh, even more news. At one point, I stopped as well because it yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah, but um. But you know, it's what you said as well. I realized that I'm in, a, in between a generation from the past and a, a generation from the future. Mm -hmm. That's what I realized during the COVID, that yeah. I have the time of my life now to just being even more creative and being less scared of what's going to be tomorrow. Because I right. think, you know, the, what I learned with fashion is that you have, I was so scared of being judged for whatever moves I do. You know, you mm -hmm. go to left, you go to right, and you're always scared because there's a fashion system that puts a lot of pressure on you, not about the time of work, uh, the, the working time, but it's more like, do you do the thing right or is it wrong? Yeah. And when you get a bit too adventurous, when you start to just maybe sometimes take risk, you know, right. you have always maybe an old crowd that look at you down and telling you like, you might have done the wrong choice. Of and course, I'm this, sure. This is, the, this is the thing that I learned during the COVID. When the lockdown is over, I want to be even more myself and my team as well. You know, to just be who we want to be and not mm -hmm. be scared anymore of the eyes of someone looking at you and say, you did something wrong. Yeah. And, well, especially now you put it into perspective that life is really just too short to, yeah. listen, you know, just you got to be yourself. Yeah. And oh. I'm going to jump on the second topic with Black Lives okay. Matter because for me, this is the... Um, in a weird way, I cannot uh, divide those two topics. Mm -hmm. um, it's 10 years at Bauman, so it's almost a decade. And, you know? wow. and I, I'm, I'm a black designer. Mm -hmm. And you know what is shocking me the most about all the podcasts that I can do or like the conversation is that it's been almost 10 years that people say like, how do you feel uh, to be one of the few black designers? Mm -hmm. And I think what is the saddest about this question is that it's been a decade that there is not a huge evolution. There is not right. a revolution either. Right. Like after a decade, people can still ask you that same question. Yeah. That's the saddest part. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the question about my castings, when I started like six or seven years ago to have a diverse casting, you know, mm -hmm. I and mean, I still have the same question today, which means that the world has 
not actually the world has not changed. It's actually fashion start to see that the world is the world that is today, and they start to realize that they are late. You know. But, yeah. Do you think this time is different? Do you think this Black Lives Matter movement will change, or are you a little bit more skeptical about human nature and we might just go back to the old ways? No, I'm not scared of the old. No, I think it's going to change for sure. There are going to be two steps. There is one step where there are some brands that take it as a trend and a topic mm-hmm. to talk about because now they are get they are get scared to be accused uh, to not be inclusive, correct, uh, and to not uh, to not uh, want the color, you know. So mm-hmm. there's there's, I mean, I would say that not everybody really understood what mean what means Black Lives Matter, but mm-hmm. I believe that sometimes some people need to start from that to really understand in twenty years what what means, you know. Um, yeah. But I do believe me, I, you know, I did manifestation in Paris. And I mean, I, of course, I'm not going to justify myself because you have seen what I went, what I did during all those years. But um, uh, I mean, for me, it's just normal what's happening today. And, uh, and uh, it's just it's just a, a revolution that mm-hmm. I'm sure will bring a better future. Did you when it first happened? Right. Um, and people were reacting to the rioting and the looting and the protesting. Did you feel conflicted about whether, you know, on the one hand, you could say you're living this, you're doing this, you're a product of this. On the other hand, people were saying you have to make a statement because of who you are and you have to say something. Were you conflicted about whether you like wanted or needed to say something or was it a natural gut reaction of of what you ended up doing? No, you know, Jeff, like, I'm, you know, what is funny? I'm going to say something really funny. I'm, I'm someone that's is maybe really loud with my social media, but mm-hmm. there are some topics that I don't need to be loud to to show what I do. Because uh, the action's much louder, because right? Because the actions are much louder than than any words. Uh, yeah. Two years ago, I mean, it was not a huge phase in the world, but I dress uh, incredible actresses in France. They were they are all black, and they are, and they it's their name. The name of the book that they wrote together is called Noir n'est pas mon métier, which mm-hmm. is black is not my job which means in France that there are actresses that were like kind of saying to the world, my role is not to just be from uh, a woman from color. I mean, I, you know, and I think, I think this is really important. We did some, I did so many things. We did so many already, so many things with Barman from the casting, from actually me talking about myself and just saying like, I'm half Ethiopian, half Somalian. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like Barman, I always been, uh, with me on, on those actions. Mm-hmm. So of course. So big, lot of yeah, did you feel problems. pressure then? No, no, okay. I didn't feel any pressure. I didn't feel pressure to go to the manifestation with all the people because it was my, I would say my role and mm-hmm. my, my, my envie to, to be, to be there. I want to yeah. be there with the people that I love and to fight for my rules and the rules of the future. Yeah. It's crazy. And this you're right about the togetherness aspect. This is the one time where you can literally meet anyone in the world, any stranger, and we all share a common bond right now. It's never happened before. Yeah, but I think, you know, even the COVID helped us to realize that. Because uh-huh. when there's a pandemic happening, maybe in the part of the world, people say, oh, yeah, it's far from your country or my country. But I mean, this pandemic actually shown that we have just one world. We live together. So the next time there is a pandemic, people will will really realize that wherever it's happening, it can happen to you as well. So just yeah. be careful and, and, and start to be interested in what happened in the world and not only in your own country. 
right? It's the most common sense thing, but it takes something like this for people to realize. Yeah. It's funny, during the COVID, we never heard anything about North Korea versus South Korea, ISIS and Palestine and Israel and all those like global political affairs, like all of that conversation just stopped. And it's like people were finally like, oh, yeah, all of that is bullshit. <laughs> we're actually all just human beings. Oh, yeah, we forgot. Yeah. And that's what I'm scared, you know, because, again, I'm saying I, I started with, with my social media when I was in lockdown to say share the sky with me, because the only thing that I could see from from my place was the blue sky, you know. Right. I cannot imagine how many tags I got from Mongolia, from Japan, from Korea, from uh -huh. Africa, from South Africa, from L.A. Everybody joined me in that hashtag and they all share their, their sky with me. And oh, that's awesome. That's you know what? It's maybe just a picture with the blue mm -hmm. sky. But mm -hmm. the beauty of, of seeing that people share their sky with me because they are in lockdown, you know, like me. I mean, that shows me that first, that we are all together in the world, you know. Right, and, right. And this is for me, it was one of the most beautiful aspects that I had during the lockdown. Well, before we get too far in, I, I do want to remind everyone that this is a business show. It's the business of hype. And so while that was an extremely impactful intro, <laughs> we could pretty much end the show right now. That'd be a great episode. Uh, but no, I want to, you're a very successful person. And I, want, I, I always think that people who have success in their current time can draw that back to their childhood. So I want to go back to the, to the beginning a little yeah. bit. Um, what were you like, life as a kid? You know, were you like a, a creative savant phenom all the way from when you were like a little kid? Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, first I was a lonely child. Uh, as you know, I come from an orphanage. Um, mm -hmm. So I born in Bordeaux, uh, what we call under X, when you cannot know neither your mother, neither your father. I've been adopted yeah. around one year old, one year mm -hmm. and a half. Uh, I had a great education in the France, in south of France, Bordeaux. Um, great values, but my parents were more science in the science in the science than actually in art or fashion. You know what I mean? Okay. And a really humble uh, family, but with really great love and values. Um, I was sketching a lot when I was a kid, uh, but if you ask me what was my dream to be, uh, yeah. it was all president of the country. <laughs> you know, I have a potential. Huh? You know? Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, I wanted to be astronaut. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I love space. Yeah. I mean, imagine. Yeah. President of the moon. And, <laughs> um, and, I, and at the end, I just, I mean, for years, actually, I decided to become a lawyer. I wanted to be an international lawyer. That's what oh, wow. I really wanted to. Damn. Very far from that one, but yeah. very interesting that you wanted to be a lawyer. Not so far, because fashion can help you to push the cause that you believe in at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. That's true. What was your, like... Style-wise, what brands did you love as like a you know when you're in teenager years, high school years? Okay, what was your? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Um, I I can tell you that I was uh, at that time I was obsessed with Tom Ford from Gucci. Wow, you were advanced, <laughs> Tom Ford. Yeah, I mean Tom Ford was so chic and uh, and at the same time America meets Europe. I mean that was something pretty. Pretty stuff, yeah. and, uh, and I love what he was doing at Gucci at that time. I was obsessed with uh, um, Monsieur Saint Laurent, Monsieur Yves Saint Laurent, because you know I'm, <laughs> I'm really French. So I mean, I remember like uh, interviews from him with his glasses and uh, his bow tie, and uh, Karl Lagerfeld for Chanel, because I mean, Karl always been uh, 
you know, the god. God, voilà. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For every designer, Cal is a god. Yep. Um, and uh, I would say, uh, I think the top model era from Gianni Versace, when he was uh-huh. Claudia Schiffer, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, um, and completely, something completely different, obsessed with Helmut Lang. Interesting. Yeah. I love the fact that the minimal that he was bringing, and he was really like um, a revolution into the maximal moment. So I think he was pretty strong for me. Did any uh, American streetwear or like hip hop culture ever come into play? Like the Nike or like, you know, oh, yeah. Polo or Tommy, like did those ever have any influence or, of you know, like, course. yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I think, I mean, sorry, because this is for me another, again, conversation, but I think it's, it's really interesting. If you ask me what I was obsessed with when I was actually a kid was all the Nike campaign, like ah. obsessed. I mean, and I was obsessed as well because it was really, it is, and you know, it was an exclusive brand. So I could refer myself as well to the campaigns, to the fact that push yourself to the maximum. And, um, and the story of Nike as well, it's really interesting. So, you know, they- so here you are a kid who's like influenced by Yves Saint Laurent and Karl Lagerfeld, but also the Just Do It campaign in America. Like that's really an interesting mix. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, I, you know what? Uh, it's the paradox. I mean, yeah. what I think I always been is uh, doing, uh, creating campaigns and being the barman brand, which has 75 years uh, brand, but at the same time, uh, being connected, as you say, to Gen Z and pop culture and uh, and uh, being obsessed with Brigitte Bardot, that Monsieur Barman dressed, but being the one to twerk on Beyonce, you know? This is yeah, reality. right. I have to ask you about Michael Jackson because there's obviously, you know, a direct influence there. But how about like when you were growing up, was, you know, were you listening to him all throughout the, your childhood too? Um, yeah, Michael Jackson for sure. Like, uh, I think Michael Jackson from the music to the videos, I think I always been inspired because yeah. the movement of togetherness was really strong. Uh, the symbol of army of glamour military was always uh-huh. really, really strong. Oh yeah! Like from history to uh, uh, heal the world, make a, make a better place. To, right. Uh, His videos and everything. Bad. Like I, yeah. I could spend an hour on that. So I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember? Where you were when you heard that he passed? Yeah, I was in Italy, and I was in the, and, and actually, I was, I was in the streets in Milan and I remember when someone told me like Michael Jackson died I was just like it's impossible mm-hmm. the yep. same way that I, I think I had the same reaction when Lady Diana died actually I was like yeah impossible. right you know it's those people that you don't know but they are part of your life in a way I know I know Every, and everyone remembers exactly where they were when they heard those news yeah I was in the street of Milan for sure yeah so you mentioned um you know you grew up adopted. Uh, how self-aware were you growing up that you were immediately different, like that you were, you know, not like everyone else in Bordeaux? Was that apparent or did it come sort of later that you were different? You know, difference is, difference is, a, is, a, is, is a challenge because there is the difference between difference. It's when <laughs> someone look at you and say you're different. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you understand your difference from the eyes of someone. Right. So I don't know if... Was that... Were you experiencing that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I experienced... You know, when I was a kid and I was studying 
Latin and, and Greek. Uh-huh. You know, I remember like some of, of, of people like looked at me and said, oh, it's good for where you come from that you, 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 you're learning that kind, you're doing that kind of studies. Um, huh. So that's why, uh, I mean, racism always been something, a topic that exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. And after my defense of uh, being, I'm fighting for being who I am today and who I'm going to be tomorrow is something that I always had in, in my blood because there's always people that remind you that maybe you cannot be who you want to be because of what yeah. you want. So. And you mentioned that you, you just recently said you were, you said, did you say Somalian and yeah. Ethiopian? Yeah, half Somalian, half Ethiopian. Did you do a, like a DNA test to figure that out? No, I just went to the, I just went to, uh, you know, I had um, my documentary that was out last year in, uh, in France. Um, and during that documentary, I started to look at my research, uh, my, my origins. I went uh-huh. to, the, to the orphanage and I opened a file that I could open only after that I was 16 years old. Okay. Uh, so let's say it was two years ago. And uh, <laughs> no, and after 16 years old, I was so scared to go. Yeah. So I went last year and I discovered that my mother was Somalian and she was 14 years old. One four, and my dad was older. He was not maybe um, consentant. What does that mean, consentant? Uh, I he was um, he maybe like, had been raped. Oh, okay. So that's what I discovered when when uh, when I opened my files. Wow. Uh, which was really tough for me because yeah, uh, it was hard. It was tough. Uh, she was fourteen. And already, like, crazy. and when I opened my file, I was, I was hoping to, you know, to open the file and see the the writing of a mother, and actually, I saw a writing of a of of a child in a way, and I almost feel like I was her dad when I was reading what she wrote, you know. Right. I feel wow. like the adult watching my mother, uh, at that moment. So yes, but I'm I, proudly, I'm proud to be uh, half Ethiopian, half Somalian. Yeah, understanding now where you actually came from must be life changing. Yes, yes, and it actually is still today after that yeah. away, the maybe like how she what she went through. Wow, I have goosebumps just you telling me that. That's that's riveting. Um, thank you for sharing that. That's very you personal and deep. Transparent. So I think I. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, so after you, where did you go to college? University? Uh, Bordeaux. Um, oh, okay. Montesquieu, it's called. It's a really great school from Bordeaux where um, the name of a grand philosophe, a Francais, French. So yeah, that's where I went, Montesquieu. And after Is it a fashion did, school? No, it was, it was a high school. And after I did the University of uh, Law, uh, Bordeaux, oh. at Bordeaux, uh, I stayed six months. And after I decided to do a, a fashion school, uh, it's okay. called S-Mod in Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I stayed six months as well. So my parents is that is that typical? Is that no, the normal way? Like six months, six months? No, it's not at all the normal way. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> my parents wanted to kill me at one point. They were like, "No, no seriously, you're gonna do everything six months?" And, right. Uh, no, usually you do like three or four years. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you just you is that dropping out or did you like finish out. quickly? Oh, you dropped out. Okay. No. So you have no cer- certification. I don't, I have no, no certification in law and no certification in fashion. Even to this day, you, you never went back to get it? No. Wow. 
Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I Who needs that? Certification is my decade at Barman, no? Yeah, exactly. I think that, that does a lot better. Let's <laughs> say. Right. And so one of the things you're most known for, obviously, is is your age when you started at Palman, right? Like 24. Yeah. Like that's unprecedented. And, you know, everyone knows how crazy that is. But I want to get an understanding of like, how did you first enter Bauman? Like, what was your first job in there? I was the right hand of uh, the, the designer that was before me called Christophe de Carnin. So I was uh, the head of the studio. I was managing like, I think, 15 people okay. from the studio, designers, interns, which to tell you the truth was pretty tough because interns was almost my age or older than me. Yeah, so yeah. That was right. kind of hard to, to be respected at that time. Yeah. And it doesn't help being a person of color, I, I bet too. No, I don't. Right. At that time, 10 years, let's say... I can, uh, 10 years ago, yeah, yeah, it was, it was not easy at all. Yeah. It was not easy at all, but depend on with, with who I was talking, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to different kind of ages and, and, of course, people that was maybe older, so my age and my color, and they were like, who, who, I mean, this guy, where he comes from, you know, but yeah. younger people and, were like much more open than, than older. Right. And racism is weird like that, right? And as we're all learning now, racism doesn't have to be a guy telling you who the fuck do you think you are. Like, racism could just happen when he walks away and just is thinking it in his head. Oh, yeah. I think you know, that, we speak yeah. a lot about America today. And, but I mean, the racism in France is huge. It's just that people don't say. Mm. You know, and I think this is the, this is the, real, the real problem that we have here. It's more... Because in America, there is as well another story that, which is like a success story that, you, uh-huh. you know, when you say someone is young in America, it's kind of the American dream, you know, like you're young, you have, you are, you have uh, strength, you have passion. When you are in France, when you're young, people is like, no, he has no experience. Yeah. They don't see the passion and the strengths of youth. They see more like, oh, he needs to learn a lot, which is true. Right. When you're young, you need to learn, mm-hmm. but you cannot see this as a weak point to be young. Yeah. And right. in France, in a luxury world, today is changing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that 10 years ago, you couldn't see so many young designers as well in uh, big uh, French luxury brands. Yeah. So how did you do it? Like, you, how many years were you the, the previous designer's right hand? A year right and hand? a half. A year and a half. And then drill down on that. What happened? Was, was he departing? And then did they interview you? Did they ask you if you were interested? Like, how did that happen? The president of that time looked at me in the eyes and say, I think you have, you have the capacity, or let's say the shoulders, which is really funny uh-huh. because we're all about shoulders at Barma. It uh, <laughs> was like, uh, I think you can, you can make it happen. Olivier, you can make it happen. And my president uh-huh. at that time, that, that unfortunately passed away three years ago, uh, my president uh, actually come from an orphanage as well. So oh, wow. Coming from an orphanage. So he knew that I was a fighter. Uh-huh. And so he gave me the job because knowing my background and knowing as well my work, because I was days and night in the office and not saying one word and working, 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 working with all my team. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even like um, you were gunning for it. You like you didn't apply for that position. I didn't apply at all for it. Wow. Did you think you were ready? Did you agree with him? No. (laughs) (laughs) Were you shocked? I still don't think I'm ready, if you really want my opinion. 
<laughs> well, I, I think your your tenure would say otherwise. Your your I mean, ten years is unheard of. I mean, these I'm the most unsatisfied person in the world. Totally, I, I can sense that. But you know, like I mean, obviously, creative directors at fashion houses like yeah. there's like they cycle through them. Like it's like the norm to go through like three years, five years, and then that's it. I'm someone really loyal. <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> so yeah. I think I think I I will always give credit and love for give me the chance to be where to be who I am coming from where I come from and give me that kind of take the risk of putting me in a, in a brand that was doing millions you know at that time uh-huh. so so yeah I think I think this is why I will always respect uh, Barman and and have a special love for the brand well as as you and I know this is a business right yeah. so no matter how talented you are if you don't take care of the business, you're not going to last long. So I would say from, from a presidential standpoint, the reason why you've been there for 10 years is because the business is damn good. As a creative director, <laughs> but at, I, I wonder, as the creative director, are you constantly having your eyes on sales and what performs and what sells and what doesn't? Is that part of what you're looking at? I mean, I think I know my numbers more than my president <laughs> because I'm speaking with my commercial team every day. I'm talking to uh, the, the, um, all, the, all the people from the world that are having our retails to know what our sell through, what is sell out, what is slowing down. I mean, I wow. know exactly the, my items that work. I know exactly quantities. I want to know Damn. everything every week. You know what's funny is whenever you see video of a creative director in their office, it's always the sketch pad and then their marker and they're like sketching, sketching, sketching. But meanwhile, you're like looking at Excel spreadsheets and like sales figures oh, and yeah. sales reports. My Excel so, is, uh, I get, you know, I get every day, I have a mail, uh, I have on my mailbox, the numbers of every stores of the world with the pictures of the items that we sell. Like that, I know exactly what's whoa. in Asia, what's in America, what's in London. Uh, I make sure that I know the quantities that we have as well in stores because I know from the fact that when it's sold out, we need to, I want to remove mm-hmm. some items. Some of them, I'm like, no, I don't care. But some where I really have, I have a passion for some items and I see it sold out. I say, let's send again more and more at that time, you know? So yeah, I know exactly my numbers. And now we are in the middle of the showroom because we sell the resort men and resort women. And I know mm-hmm. exactly the numbers right now, even if it's not finished. So. What what part of your brain, like what percentage of your brain would you say is creatively strength and the other one is business strength? Like, are you, what's your ratio? 50-50. Yeah? Those are, that's the perfect number to be. Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I had, it's funny, I'm not going to mention with who, but I had a conversation on TV in France with different designers from different houses of, of Paris. Yeah. And when there was that, that question about like, what means to be creative director? And I say, it's being a businessman. Mm. as well and I, did, yeah. and I did the as well and everybody starts you know to kind of jump on me and say like how oh, no you cannot be you cannot create if you have a sense of business too far right and I was just like actually I create even more when I know what I sell not because I want to redo exactly what I sell but actually it's listening to the street it's listening yep. to what people want from you and what they buy doesn't mean that I'm going to sketch from what I know it's by it's the, it sells but it's interesting to hear what people love from your creation. Exactly. That they're voting with their money. And so like, why would you not listen to that? You know? Yeah. But is it, would you say that it's common for a creative director to, to only be focused on creative in the fashion world? 
I, I mean, no. I think the problem of fashion, and that's what we are experimenting today, is that when you're disconnected to the world, mm -hmm. you're losing yourself. So I think to be connected to the world, you need to actually know your business as well. This is as well a consequence. Like when you're a creative director, you need to know what the business, what you're selling, what you're not selling. This is a way of being connected to the world. So I think it's more an old generation of designers that want to say like, oh, you know, I'm an artist and I don't care about uh, what I sell, you know. Or, mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm not judging. It's just that it's not my mentality. If I was a painter... Yeah. If I was a painter, I wouldn't want to be to, to be dead to actually like selling my paintings, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's fascinating. Um, I want to talk about process a little bit. So, you know, right now we're, we're talking, it's end of June 2020. How far in advance are you guys working on? Like, what are you concepting? Like, what future collection are you already concepting? On September, you mean? Uh, no, like right now, what are you guys in June? I what collection are you guys working on internally? Uh, internally, we are working on my fashion show in September where we'll okay. present men and women. Mm -hmm. uh, so the spring, summer 2021. Okay, yes. Okay, so it's spring, 2021 spring, summer is already done designing. Uh, almost. Okay. <laughs> As your team looks at you now. Only 20% more of sketching. Okay, okay. And we and finished to present the resort men and women that we did during COVID. Okay. And you worked on that remotely, I guess. You had to work on that through Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? How was that process working not in person? Did you, I don't think it could be the same, but were you able to get through it? Um, it was really hard. It was really tough because everything takes ages and it takes really long to actually explain something that should be super simple when you mm -hmm. have to explain a color card by Zoom or uh, <laughs> a file, uh, I don't know, like a prototype, but uh, it was okay. It was, it was yeah. good because I have a great, team uh, all we want all what we wanted to do is actually create a strong collection uh, and it's actually selling really well i have to say because we had like uh, all the appointments went really well with all, with all the buyers from all around the world that mm. actually even them they they experiment uh, selling by zoom <laughs> so yeah um so yeah no it's, it, it was really tough but i mean i have a really strong team that is loving the brand and we have a great uh we have a great uh, relationship, so we wanted to work together for those two months. Mm -hmm. How big is the team, your design team? At the men's where we are, uh, there's like four designers, women, there's like five, six, and uh, I would say I have a big graphic team, print, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of print at Bauman, so I mean, and, and embroidery, so there will be like six, uh, seven people at the graphic embroideries, and uh, accessories, uh, three people for bags, and uh, two people for the sneakers. Oh wow! And all, and these people actually interact directly with you, or you have other soldiers that interact with them. Like, how many people actually do you have conversations with? I have a conversation with them directly. They oh wow! Because I mean, it goes faster, it goes easier, and I love to have contact with all my team. And that's just the design team. Then there's the sales team, and then there's the the marketing team. Wow! How much sleep do you get? Oh my god! I, if you know how many WhatsApp group I have now in my. <laughs> And you know what is the worst is that it's better that you don't have a partner or someone that you was flirting before the COVID because imagine if you start to send some really random pictures to the wrong group. <laughs> no, but, I, yeah. oops. <laughs> How much sleep do you get a night? Seven hours. I go usually to sleep around 11 and I wake up around 6 or 7 a.m. Oh, wow. Okay. And then what do you do when you wake up? Are you Do you just go right to your phone? Boxing. 
Oh, you work out first thing in the yeah. morning. Work, first thing that I do is working out. Are you the type of person that doesn't look at their phone until they they are up and ready, or do you are you the type of person that grabs the phone first thing in the morning? Ah, uh, no, I'm the one to grab the phone first thing. Okay, so you're checking for like urgent things right away, I guess. Yeah. Or not even if it's not if it's urgent. I'm just checking. Okay. <laughs> Instagram <my> DMs. <laughs> oh yeah, you never know what kind of DM you can get. No, I'm just kidding. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just that I'm I'm usually always with my phone. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's the I want to know what the first app you launch is when you wake up. You really want to know? Yeah. Uh, I would say Instagram. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Instagram before emails. That's cool. Yeah, actually, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, Instagram is much more interesting than all the emails that you receive. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I want to I want to ask a couple. This is like lightning round. A couple more uh, questions about your your day to day. So you wake up, you you check Instagram, you work out for a couple hours every day. Uh, what's the first thing that you eat? Um, I eat for for lunch. I don't eat at, in the morning. I can't. I don't know why. Okay. I, I I never could. Um, okay. So usually I eat salad or uh, carrots or zucchinis, like uh, eggs. I'm really uh -huh. healthy on my, with my food. Uh, yeah. And I coffee, or, coffee or tea? Uh, I'm more into coffee in the morning and tea in the afternoon, but like detox tea. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm drinking a lot of water. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what I do. While you're working, do you play music or do you like it quiet? I love music. So you're playing music while you're working? I hate silence. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, when uh, when we're normally working, if you're in an office, what time do you leave the office? Uh, around 10.30, 10, 10.30, sometime 11 or midnight when it's uh, really like uh, the, the, the toughest uh, time. But you yeah. need not before 9.30, 10. And how long is your commute home? What does it mean? How long does it take you to go from uh, home to the office and back? 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Wow, you really you really crunch everything in. It's amazing. Um, if, <laughs> I don't if know. It's your, <laughs> if it's your last meal on earth, the last meal you can have, what and where are you eating it? Oh, wow. If it was my last meal on earth, I would say yes. I'm going to be really cheesy, but it will be at my grandparents' house with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And it will be the crepe. Uh, I don't know you say crepe in French. Crepe, yeah, yeah, crepe. The crepe, crepe of my grandmother, if she was still Oh, that's alive. so beautiful. I mean, that's so beautiful. if she's still alive and there's only one meal and uh, it's the end of the world and uh, it will be with her and having the crepe. That would be what I would love to eat. And, and the crepe is just the, the, the most simplest thing too. Yeah. That's beautiful. How do you unwind? Or do you ever unwind? <laughs> um, actually, no, if I think about it. I Like I when, you're, when you take vacation, quote unquote vacation, are you really on vacation like are you really totally unplugged actually you know what i am okay actually i am someone that can disconnect really easily when i get home you know i have really good sleep when i go to vacation i can just enjoy my day my day off mm -hmm. but i don't like when it's too long i'm really bored. i see and uh -huh, right. always ask me a selfie to make sure that i'm in the in the airplane because he's always <laughs> saying to my cmo uh, are you sure Olivier took holidays? Are you sure Olivier's in the plane? <laughs> are you sure Olivier's on holidays? So yeah. They're making sure you're going on vacation. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, I tell you one thing that is really funny. At one point we had the I don't know you call it in French we have les entretiens annuels, uh, which is those meeting um, the annual reviews, you know. 
so of mm-hmm. the work. And I think my president asked me last year to say like Olivier, and there is one thing that I want to ask you because all the rest is great. It's can you take some holidays and days off? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, I would Please. never think I would tell you I would say that to a designer in my career. He told me, and I was like, you know. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try my best. I'll take two days. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned you're uh, you're not in a relationship right now. Is that by design or by default? <laughs> oh, you know, I think the design helped me to justify my default. <laughs> <laughs> so you you just don't have time for someone right now. Is that what it is? Yeah, let's say that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean. Um, I just think that I'm not ready to be in relationship. Uh, I think I hide myself behind my work because when I want something, I always make it happen. So I don't think I really do want to have a relationship or I'm someone really shy actually about that. Mm. about that. Right. Interesting. Um, you mentioned, I want to switch gears a little bit because you mentioned the, the sneaker designers and, you know, you recently, uh, started like a sneaker collection out of Belmont. Um, what was the reason? I mean, obviously, you know, sneakers is a big category now and there's a huge merging of high passion, but why that particular time did you decide this is now the right time to do sneakers at Belma? I think um, I think it, it was time for me to, to do the sneakers. It's something, it's a project that I always wanted to do, mm-hmm. but um, there is two realities. The first is that Barman is a brand that has been known for, you know, craftsmanship, uh, couture, uh, the French uh, kind of bourgeoisie in a way, and yeah. I make it really glamour and sexy and pop. But that was the process for me to to make sure that the brand would have a strong uh, savoir-faire aesthetic, a craftsman mm-hmm. aesthetic, and make it really luxury in a sense that the French luxury that people wanted for me at the beginning, where when I started to be more myself during those this decade, and I actually assumed to be young and assumed to be someone that... Uh, wanted to be even more inclusive than ever when at the time of fashion was not, you know, yeah. um, I, I start to build, uh, the category of the sneakers as well to show that it was for me an important item that I wear every day. Um, mm-hmm. so I pushed for many years, uh, to get the right designers with me, the right team, the right production. And so we made it happen. And now it's been like uh, two years, uh, three years that we are, we are having the sneakers, but mm-hmm. uh, clearly like, my last collection is the one that I'm the most proud because it's the one that has everything that I wanted in one technology, yeah. heritage, and craftsmanship. Do you think the merging of like street style culture and this high fashion thing that we've been seeing for the past few years, do you think that is a permanent thing or do you think it's a trend that will reset itself? I don't know how to explain. I think now it's all about like, oh, streetwear is so strong, but streetwear has always been really strong in fashion. Mm-hmm. Streetwear means it doesn't mean only sneakers, it means denim, it means t-shirt, it means jersey. Yeah. I mean, and I think fashion always been the paradox of mixing something that could be, I would say, really glamorous with something that's really casual, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's always been, but there is another thing that when we say today streetwear, streetwear takes another meaning that 10 years ago. Streetwear means the world of the streetwear, not only the garments. And I think it's not a trend anymore because street, streetwear means inclusivity. And mm. it's not a trend. This is what's going to be the future. So for me, streetwear will never die. Mm-hmm. Streetwear will always be part of fashion and more than ever. But after, streetwear doesn't mean only hoodies and joggings. Streetwear yeah. means a mentality. Right. 
So you cannot say tomorrow streetwear dies because streetwear will always be part of fashion if you want to be connected to the world. And streetwear will evolve as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great perspective. Um, have you given thought in, in this time of like, uh, you know, COVID and what we've been going through? Have, have you given a lot of thought or any thought to high fashion's place in today's world? Yeah, I think hot fashion took a huge, uh, you know, I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. I was looking for the word, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, because, I mean, people start to point their fingers or what every, how, everything that went wrong in fashion during this decade and not only. And I think now people start to, to just think fashion is old. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you can't, you know, if you can't go out or if you're limited in where you can go and who you can see, like what's the point of buying an amazing outfit to like floss it, you know, like that's why home gym equipment is like the number one selling thing. Now everyone's just sitting at home, you know, so it is, you know, and it's not just high fashion, it's all fashion, like from streetwear to, you know, regular fashion. Like it's just, do you need 50 pairs of shoes, 20 jackets, you know, 30 hats in your wardrobe if you're, if you just are going to see five people a week now? I don't, you know what? I'm not sure this is the question for me. I would say more like, I think fashion will always exist, but fashion is to have a different meaning than what it was yesterday. Like mm-hmm. when I studied Bauman, so again, I repeat 10 years ago, I mean, the, the trends was something that was lasting for maybe a year or two. Now it's two or three months, you know, and you're just changing so quick. And obviously the price point of the, of the fashion luxury industry is so high. So in a weird way, you cannot, like trend needs to, to not be just two months because people start to get bored of buying those, those really expensive items when they know yeah. they're in three months. Like the press would say, oh, it's so ringard or it's just so old. I mean, we want something new. That's yeah, the yeah. problem is not, not, not the fashion only. It's more like what you create has to have a strong meaning behind. You need yep. to make a strong message. You do something not just for a business point of view, but because there is a strong message that you actually embrace. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and your product needs to be quality. Because I think when we speak about millennials, millennials, Gen Z, People, mm-hmm. when they, they, it's not that they want to spend money. They want to spend money on something that has value and quality. Yeah. You know? yep. And I think this you, is the real problem that we have yeah. today. You know, you said something in the past, and I'm going to quote you on it, but I, I really love what you said. You said, people of this generation are more interested in the process than the result. Exactly. So, so expand on that. So you think that young people are like, like the meaning and the messaging and the reasoning behind things are almost more important than the final product at this point? Yeah. I mean, I give you an example, a, a, a concrete example. People love to see the behind the scene of the show more than actually yeah. the pictures that you will see of the show. You're right. Yep. So this, this, this means one thing. It means that they want to see the process and embracing the process to actually at the end embracing the result. And, mm-hmm. and saying, I will spend that money on that shoe, on that sneaker, on that dress, because I know that people put their heart and their energy on doing something for us. Right. And it's authentic, because if you don't do that, you can't really bullshit that part. Exactly. When you started sharing socially all the behind the scenes stuff on your social medias, were your bosses like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, why, why are you showing everything? Like, did you get into some trouble in the beginning of your of career? Of course. I mean... At the beginning, I mean, even not only the behind the scene, only opening my social media account was uh, was uh, 
I was actually, oh, wow. I was a real fighter of this Bahman army, I tell you, because I got an appointment and he looked at me in the eyes and say, do you really think luxury could be on social media? And you know, you're, you're a designer, so you should just hide yourself. And I was just like, right. did, you say, wow. did you say the same thing when you start to sell on the internet like 20 years ago? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was just like, what is luxury for you? Having like a special clients in your store, not doing mm-hmm. a fashion show? What is special? What is luxury for you? Selling on internet is it luxury? So I was just like, you will see in ten years what you would say. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, like uh, all those people that I was talking to are not part anymore of the, of, of, of I mean, unfortunately, I don't know. But what I want to say is that some people that had that kind of conversation at that time, I mean, I don't have them around me anymore. But yeah. Yeah. Social media has been a struggle, and the behind the scene as well has been a struggle because they were like, this is not what you need to show, what you have to show. Right. Well, it's, it's going to happen, but you cannot stop the future. It's just a matter of whether you're going to embrace it or not or run away. Exactly. Out of all the people that you mentioned, the Bauman Army and all the amazing people that you've gotten to collaborate with, who is the most impressive person you've ever worked with? The one that you've learned the most from that when, you, like, when you're about to meet them, you just get the most excited about? Hard question, I know, because you have an incredible Rolodex. Oh, yeah. This is a really... But, who is the one that you're like, uh, like, I just, when I leave this meeting, you're tingling with inspiration. Can I, can I say two, please? Okay. Yes, you can. <laughs> just, you know, just really because, um, no, <laughs> I would say Kanye West is obviously the one that is genius of our generation and the generation of the future because um, he's a visionary in the, in the fashion world. And I remember when he came to my office 10 years ago, so it's like, really beginning of my career at Barman, already uh-huh. had a strong vision of, of, uh, of uh, the world uh, that he built. And, yeah. uh, and I do believe that actually a lot of fashion industry has been influenced by his choices yeah. and vision. Um, yeah. it took long- and 10 years ago, the stuff he was saying, he sounded crazy, but now they've all come true. Yeah, but you know what, uh, Jeff, that's the problem is that when you're a visionary and you have something in your mind that it's maybe too early for people, they think you're right. crazy. But the reality right. is that they need to see five or ten years to realize that what you were saying was right. I mean, and, and that's for me in the fashion system and all his fashion vision, I've always been right. And he built, yeah. he built a strong aesthetic. Um, I mean, obviously, with, with uh, I would mention Yeezy, uh, mm-hmm. after I think... Even the, the phenomenon of Kim, I yeah. think it's something that uh, she's like uh, the witness of our time. Like it's, she's the one that we will remember in, in 50 years. We would say maybe the, the Kim, the Kim uh, era, you know? Um, yeah. And again, this, when Kanye and, and Kim we met, it was 10 years ago, you know, or seven years ago. Yeah. Kim. And yeah. I remember like fashion might be like, uh, didn't understand, you know? But right. uh, she did all the covers of the world. And I think you understand as well that, again, this was a vision and this was the vision of Kim. So, so when, you, when, you are, when you know you're about to meet Kanye, he's on your calendar, like, you know, you're going to meet him a couple of days. You just know that you're going to be in for some crazy inspirational, like, mind dump. Is that how he always operates? You know, or is it more, are you guys just more like casual chit chat friends now? I think, I think it's. It started definitely like as a casual 
uh, how you say, uh, chatting? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think this is how it started. I remember it, the first time that we met, he was doing um, his album called, uh, I mean, Dark... Uh, dark Twisted Fantasy. Dark, dark Twisted yeah. Fantasy. And he came with the sound, like with this music, and it was not released, and he was in the middle of the studio, like singing and clapping in his hands, and uh, and that was so beautiful, so strong, and that's how it started. Just super simple, and mm -hmm. all together watching the clothes, listening to the music, creating custom uh, custom made clothes. Uh, it was just like that. And today, when I see him, he's still the same, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, okay. So who's the second person? Um, I would say Beyonce. Ah, okay. Um, because I would not say Kim because I already mentioned. Yeah. So I would say Beyonce because, I mean, uh, I worked with her for now, I think, already like six or seven years. Uh, mm -hmm. did many shows. I worked with her on Coachella. Uh, I mean, well, this is, this, you know, you know, it's Beyonce. So. Yeah. Yeah. What are the differences between like what you find inspiring out of Kanye and what you find inspiring out of Beyonce? You know, it's, it's, it's so different. Uh, uh, there are just two people that are so inspiring to me. I think um, <laughs> is Beyonce as perfect as she perceive. Like she to me, like the reason why Kanye is so dope is because like everyone can witness the genius struggle in his head. Like you know, like he wears it on his sleeve so raw. But Beyonce is like a flawless queen. Is she really like that? Um, no. Okay, good. She's human. She's a human being. It's think, good to hear yeah, that. I think, I think what is the most incredible thing with Beyonce is one of the person that I met in my life that is the most humble. Uh, wow. Shy at the same time when we work together because she has that kind of really super simple smile and having the, the children around her when she's working as well, making sure that she has the time for her family. So it's such a... It's, it's, She's, she's the queen on stage, like clearly, like, uh, yeah. and if there's another word, it could be like God as well, you know, God. Mm -hmm. But when you work with her, she takes time. She's, we are sitting on the floor, cutting fabrics. It's completely another image that we have on the stage where she's actually like uh, owning the world, you know, but amazing. When amazing that you have those moments fabrics on the floor. Yeah. Amazing that you have those moments. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to wrap up here now, and you know you you've come from the bottom literally, uh, you know, and have now excelled into like these amazing areas and and access that like people can only dream of. If you're talking to someone like yourself at 15 years old, what advice would you give them to help them to get to where you are today? Um, you know what I would tell to the 15 years old maybe. Sometimes don't put so many emotions, so much emotion in, you know, I always, my struggle, my struggle in, um, in, in, in life, in fashion, it's that I'm someone that put my heart on the plate. Mm -hmm. And, and I have been disappointed many times because people remind me that sometimes it's only just a business. And when you, you think you build, um, friendship or, mm -hmm. then it's, it's a business. So, right. I think that's what I learned that maybe I should put less emotion sometimes and just being just a businessman and uh, and uh, and sometimes I'm maybe too 
emotional about things and I should mm. remember it's a fashion business. Yeah, but you know, I would I would argue with you <laughs> that yeah. if you didn't go all out with your emotions, you know, uh, granted, sometimes it's going to get shut down and sometimes you're going to feel disappointment and get hurt. But by going all the way, that's the reward that you get. Your life right now is the reward that you got for sacrificing everything. Yeah, I know. I know. You have- <laughs> it's, it's, this is the paradox of my life is because I sometimes I remember my, my, my career and I say, you know, I trust that person. I trust that uh that that people from passion, whatever, and and at the end, you know, I, I put more emotion than that actually actually per, that's a person lead, and so yeah. But yeah, you know, this is maybe the, the op- yeah. At 15 years old, I would maybe say let's be positive. I would say to the 15 years old Olivier, believe in yourself, and it's better to be hated for who you are than being loved for who you are not. That's yeah, what I would say I think because we have but a tendency I, I, in fashion to please sometimes the system more than being who we want to be. Yes, but but uh, side note to that is if you're gonna do that, get ready for the fight of your life because oh, you're yes. gonna be fighting. That's actually yeah. the second, yeah, that's something <laughs> as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was an amazing talk and interview. You were awesome. Um, thank you, Jeff. Really. Yeah, I hope you have a great weekend. I'm, I'm and I'm really appreciative of your honesty and your rawness. No, I think it's. it's thank you for all your question. It was really, really amazing and really great. inspiring. Okay, well, have a good uh, have a good weekend. Thank you, you too. All right, bye bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this really intimate inside look into the mind of Olivier Rustan of Balmain. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have friends interested in the high fashion industry, tell them about this episode. I think they're going to really appreciate it. Also, leave us a rating and comment. It definitely helps a lot. We also occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, you can leave it as a comment. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Jeff Staple. Our associate producer is Christina Hong. And as always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com radio. This episode was recorded with social distancing measures in place. I was in New York City, and Olivier was safe and healthy in Paris. I can't wait to be traveling again. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll see you on the other side. I'm Jeff Staple. This is the Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.